Hey, and welcome to the Resound Church podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here. And we pray that you get something powerful from today's sermon. Hey, well, welcome to our missions conference. It's great to be with you for a few moments today. Uh, The first thing I want to do is I want to commend you, church, for your faithfulness in giving to missions over so many years. Uh, Year after year, we have run our missions conferences and people have faithfully pledged dollars towards missions activity. Uh, The church has consistently given more than it's actually pledged. And we just want to commend you for the way that you've been so faithful in giving and thank you for what you're doing. I want to start today by sharing a verse of scripture from Matthew chapter 24, a passage many people will have heard before. Matthew 24 verse 14 from the New Living Translation says this, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Over recent years, there has been so much speculation about the return of Christ. Of course, people are looking at the so-called signs, you know, wars, climate catastrophe, famine, political turmoil, earthquakes, financial upheaval, and on and on and on. And as a result of that, people reading a portion of the scripture are saying, Jesus is about to come back. He's about to come back, you know. Uh, Interestingly, in the Old Testament, the sons of Issachar were commended because they could read the signs of the times. Jesus, in particular, in Matthew 24, had a lot to say about the signs that would, um, as it were, be triggers for his return. And as has been the case over many years, people have looked at only part of what Jesus said uh, and run with that. It's sort of like it's sort of like a little premature Uh, because what we've got to get is the whole picture. I want to read to you um, uh, the longer passage of Matthew 24 from the New International Version in just a moment. But I do wonder what the motivation behind some of this talk is. Is it fear that drives the discussion about Jesus coming back straight away? Is it the, you know, global pandemic? Yet really what we've experienced is, is no different to other catastrophes that have happened through the years is it speculation is it naivety is it for evangelistic reasons what drives uh, this sort of talk Uh, this sort of if, if if you like separation from the rest of the the world community we need to see what Jesus said then talk about that some more verse 1 of chapter 24 uh, of Matthew says this Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things, he asked. Truly, I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Just a point there. They asked three things all at once. Jesus answered them, but he answered differently. Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. 
Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of the birth pains. Then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you'll be hated by all nations because of me. And at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And the end will come. The chapter goes on and continues to address these and other matters, including a prophetic message from Jesus about the fall of Jerusalem uh, some 30 years later or so. The point I want to make today is really quite simple, but it goes to the core of our responsibility and our efforts. The first point I want to make is this. We are to occupy until he returns. Luke 19 and verse 3 in the old King James Version says this. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds. And he said unto them, Occupy till I come. And the point Jesus was making was, he was he's going away. And while he's away, we're to continue to fulfill our responsibility. We know the parable of the talents was about them receiving something, using it well, and then returning it to him. And while often the message is around dollars, it's actually around responsibility. We've been given so much to do so much, and yet often people actually bury what they've been given, and when Jesus returns, I wonder what their response will be. On the other hand, what we're supposed to do is take what we've been given, use it well, occupy the place that we've been given to occupy, and continue to live responsibly and as stewards until the point at which Jesus returns. The intent of this parable was about stewardship and occupation. What he's actually saying is we need to be fully engaged in the task set before us and keep doing it in a way that produces fruitfulness and is beneficial to those around about us. Second John chapter one, verse seven to nine says this, I say this because many deceivers have gone out into the world. They deny that Jesus Christ came in a real body. Such a person is a deceiver and an antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked so hard to achieve. Be diligent so that you will receive your full reward. Anyone who wanders away from this teaching has no relationship with God. But anyone who remains in the teaching of Christ has a relationship with both Father and and son. And the book of John here is addressing uh, some errors in teaching that people were receiving. They got focused in on some things over other things, but the end result of the error was producing a distraction from the point of what Jesus was making to them when he was here on the earth. And so for me, I think sometimes we can get distracted as well. Jesus left left us with a task and we're to continue with the task that he's left us with and to be occupied fully and engaged in that task. Matthew 24, if I can go back to that, Matthew 24 and verse 14 says this, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. We're actually called to preach the gospel until the task is complete. 
Of course, there's wars and rumours of wars, there's earthquakes, climate catastrophes, there's financial meltdowns, there's global pandemics, all, all of those things, but they're just signs. The ultimate test is whether or not the gospel has been preached to all nations. The Greek word for all nations there is ta-ethne. It actually means or is better understood as people groups. So it's not just countries, it's actually people groups of which there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people groups. The Joshua Project outlines for us just how far we have got to go. This is a diagram on the screen now, and you'll see from that diagram that there remains remains 42% of the population that are considered unreached. There, there isn't a viable Christian witness there amongst them. If you look at the next slide, it shows you some statistics, and you'll see that it's actually close to 3.3 billion people that are considered to be unreached. People say, well, the end's about to happen. The end's about to happen. Well, according to the requirement that Jesus had that the gospel be preached in all nations, I would say we've still got a long way to go. 3.3 billion people are still to hear the word of Jesus Christ, still still to have a viable witness in their community of what Christ or uh, Christ can do in a person's life. And finally, there's a map which shows that You know, the bulk of the unreached people groups live in the 1040 window and we can understand that. But even in our own city in Melbourne, there are unreached people groups, people who are yet to have a viable Christian witness amongst them. There are people in New Zealand who are people groups in New Zealand that still don't have a viable Christian witness amongst them. There are people in the United States that are still unreached, still don't have a viable Christian witness among them. And when you understand something more, and we won't get into that today, when you understand something more about people groups, they need someone from within their people group to find Christ and become that viable witness so they can understand the context of the gospel in a way that they can receive it. The world's a long way from reached. There are people groups everywhere yet to be reached. Jesus actually expects for us to preach the gospel until he returns to be fully occupied, fully engaged. We're not even halfway there. Our efforts are focused locally on reaching unreached people groups, especially in India and Nepal and some of those other places. They're unreached people groups and we intend to occupy till he comes. Just remember what Jesus said. We're going to take everything that he said, not just a portion of it, and focus on doing the thing that he's asked us to do. Thanks, Ruth. So, you know, Wayne's just shared there and he's made it really clear that we have to occupy the world. So how can we reach the world? What's our world? You know, when we look around and we see different people in our sphere of influence, that's our world. And they're the people that we need to be reaching out to. So how do we do that? You know, one way to preach, and often people think preaching is by words, but it's not necessarily by our words. It's by our actions or what we do. And Francis of Assisi wrote a prayer, and I want to read the prayer to you because I think it has a really good um, meaning in the prayer that we can pray for ourselves. And he wrote, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. 
where there is darkness, light, where there is sadness, joy. Oh, divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to be understood, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Here in this prayer was a prayer of someone saying, God, I want to make a difference. I don't want it to be about me, but I want to make a difference in someone else's life. You know, if we're called to go, if we're called to reach out, if we're called to occupy our land, then what are we going to do? What are we going to do to reach out? What are we going to do to make a difference? You know, one life makes a big difference. We can make a huge difference. Our life counts to make a difference in so many other lives. So how are we living the faith? If we're going to reach the world, our faith needs to be genuine, authentic and live as Christ would. People want to see authenticity. The second thing, if we're called, we are called to go, go into all the world. God instructed Abraham to leave his country and relatives and go in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Jonah was told to go to Nineveh to see that nation saved in Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. Ruth left her home, Moab, to go and serve her mother-in-law to do what God wanted her to do in Ruth chapter 1, 14 to 22. But then Jesus called the 12 disciples to go into all the world. They were called to leave behind everything and go. Right now, we can't go overseas. We're not able to go into the different areas that we support. But there are ways that we can go and do things for the kingdom that can make a difference. You know, we've got our English classes. Oh, thank goodness for Marilyn and the team and Stella in the way that they're reaching out to those people that have come to our land here as migrants but are now having this land as their country. And they want to learn more. But in the same way, they're learning about Jesus our community groups. You know, we've reached out into Marunda and into Cardinia and we want to see even a greater reaching out. We can go with our play groups. We can go with our um, youth ministries and our children's ministries. Whatever we've got, we can go. But you know, personally, one life, you can go to your neighbour. You can go to your friends and make a difference. So what's stopping you from going? No, in Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of age. Wayne made it really clear. We looked at the screen and we saw that there are billions of people who have never heard about Jesus. There are people in our own nation. There are people in our own sphere of influence that have never heard about Jesus. And here in this scripture, it says that God will go with us. I am with you always even to the end of age we don't go on our own but we go with the understanding and the knowledge that we go with Jesus with us and the third thing we're called to give 
You know, here at Resound, one of our greatest top values is generosity, generous on all occasions. Hey, Resound Church, congratulations. I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for the way that you so freely give. You give to missions in the past. You have pledged. You have made a difference in so many lives. And by what you've given has changed the lives of those kids at Hope Village. We've seen and heard the testimonies of one life after another change. We've got uni students now. We've now got students that have come out of university and are making a difference as lawyers, as doctors, as different people have sowed into their lives by financial gifts to enable them to be all that God's asked them to be. We've gone into India and we've made a difference by supporting those pastors and by the pastors being supported. We've seen thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people coming to know Jesus Christ, baptisms happening, people's lives being turned around and changed. Why? Because your giving made a difference. One life, what can you do? What difference can you make? You know, the word generous says showing a readiness to give more of something, especially money, than is strictly necessary or expected. We can't always go, but we can give of our finances to seek God's kingdom to be extended. People cared for and lives being changed. You know, our missions conference is a time when we make a pledge. We hear about our different mission places and and the way that we're reaching out and we've seen different things being talked about over this period of time. But today I want to encourage you. Why don't you ask God, what is it that I'm to give God? What do you want me to give up so I can make a difference in this world? One life can make a difference, your life. Financially, your life can make a difference. You know, you may be in a part-time job and you say, well, I don't earn much. It's not about the amount that you give. It's about the willingness of giving. It's about the willingness of being generous on all occasions. So what can you do? Maybe you're in a great financial position and you say, well, God, what can I do to make a difference? You know, we are so blessed here in this nation And we are blessed because God has enabled us to be able to have what we need. But there are places that have nothing. I love the pictures we've seen of Nepal, of of the way that they have reached out and taken the rice and the blankets. And we've been a part of that. We've provided finances so that Prem and Lalita can take that and go into the villages and help them. We're making a difference. So what's your life? this missions conference going to do? What difference are you going to make? What financial gift can you give to change an environment? Hope Village has changed. That area around it now has become out of poverty and it's now sitting in a quite a different um, social economic situation. It's so exciting. Why? Because we've sown into a place that is now changing an area around. They have fresh water now because of your giving. They have um, students, kids coming to be educated because of your giving. They have children in an orphanage that lives are being loved and nurtured. Why? Because of your giving. 
Jesus said in Matthew 25, 35 to 40, For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to the one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. I want to encourage you today. Think about how you can give financially to seeing the kingdom of God extended. Grab your pledge card, pray over it, seek the Holy Spirit. And when he speaks, be obedient and step out in faith. God bless you. Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online, including our service times and live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.